Welcome to the Vacate Victimville podcast, where we champion mental wellness and a growth mindset. I'm your host, Vernice Cooper, and I have one question. Are you ready to grow? Welcome back to the Vacate Victimville podcast. I have a very special guest with me. And let me tell you this, um, some people are doing such big things that they're hard to schedule with. And so today um, I have one of those very special people who is doing big things in the educational space, Carlos Malave. Malave. Malave, you got it. Malave. Um, thank you so much, Carlos, for um, being with us today. I'm sure my listeners will get a lot of value, not just from your personal experience, but your professional experience as well. So thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate um, you taking the time to even meet with me and allowing me to, you know, grace your stage and speak to your audience. So thank you. Yeah. So I just want to give the audience a little background about who you are. Okay. So Carlos is the author of Translating Your Success and developer of the Restorative Power Program, who quickly established himself as a dynamic and passionate speaker. His efforts establishing the Restorative Power Program in classrooms across the country has harnessed a genuine passion into a unique message of perseverance, compassion, and inspiration. His work within KIPP and the Houston community has been featured on ABC 13 News, and in 2018, he worked with Texas legislators to develop and pass a bill to implement restorative practices within public schools. Carlos has 10 years of teaching experience in K-12, along with 10 years of speaking and consulting experience in higher education. As a restorative practitioner, his work consists of helping youth find the power in their vulnerability. Carlos was born and raised in New York, but now resides in Houston, Texas with his beautiful wife and daughter. Again, welcome to the show. Um, I guess my first question for you, Carlos, is because now we know where you're from, New York, the city of New York, Brooklyn, 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 New York. Um, You're now in the South, Houston, Texas. Correct. I guess my next question for you is where are you headed? Where am I headed? That's a really great question. Uh, I I think when it comes to locations, uh, I think I would like to be in the Caribbean. So I I think I will be in the Caribbean in the near future. Let's put it out in the atmosphere in the near future, the Caribbean islands. I am uh, Puerto Rican descent and my wife is Trinidadian. So we are Caribbean. Um, We uh, the mission has always been to to get back. Nice. Okay. I love that. Um, so I want to add, I want to start by asking, um, what is the toughest thing you've ever had to go through and how did you get through it? I think for our audience, knowing not just where you're from, but what you're from is super important. Yeah. Well, what got me into this particular work of restorative justice and restorative practices. I was a I was granted an opportunity to be a restorative justice coordinator at a KIPP um, high school in Texas. And while I was doing the work, I was allowed to deal with conflict, resolve conflict, do circle leading, and I taught. And they 
I did this with staff and students um, throughout the whole school, and they gave me an opportunity to teach a course. You know, like, hey, uh, with this course, you can do what you want, call it what you want, do what you want with it. So that's where I was able to sit down with lesson plan savants and align it to standards, make it measurable with assessments and projects. And then I gave kids the experience of teaching them how to deal with conflict, radical candor, um, going over literature, and then giving them assignments across the campus where they were the leaders of the work, where it'd be like, yo, Ibrahim, there's a fight in 202, go up there resolve the conflict, take some notes, and then we'll come back and do a circle, um, whole group with the people involved, affected, and the people that did the um, cause. So they were able to, you know, have duties on campus, be representatives of the campus. It went really well that ABC News did a feature of us on campus and the work that we were doing in the community. Then on that same year, we did, we're doing phenomenal work in the school with restorative practices on uh, by Christmas break. January 10th, 2019, my father committed suicide. Mm, While you were doing this work. Yeah. And my father was a product of the school to prison pipeline. My father was in Rikers Island when I was a sophomore in college. And Mm. I remember getting the calls, uh, collect calls from the prison um, to talk to him. So it aligned even more where. It was really the hardest thing as a motivational speaker and doing the work. You're always trying to find your way and trying to create more impact and talk from personal experience and and be able to connect on a deeper level. And I wouldn't wish upon I wouldn't wish this upon anybody, but this allowed me to get to that real low state and build myself back up and really identify who I was and then who I was going to be moving forward. I literally had to use the stuff that I was teaching these kids to actually save my life. And it Mm. made me a better son, a better husband, a better father, things that I was getting away with before. I just couldn't with this. Like this is the first time I couldn't get out of bed. I was, Mm. I felt like drained. I couldn't, I was crying every two seconds. My father ironically had called me before he jumped. My father jumped in front of the L train in New York city and he had called me ironically before he jumped. And I was in a meeting with two of my mentees talking about their father's relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And I had to deal with that guilt. There was some guilt there. So I had to go to therapy and I had to do the work to understand how to process the stuff. And I think for me getting through it was using the work that I was doing in line and everything to not just the stuff that I do within the confines of six to eight hours a day um, in school buildings, but something that I could take home with me and practice with my daughter, practice with my wife and actually step into my truth and actually become the person that I, I've always wanted to be or talked about being. I actually had to do that to actually, you know, get through this moment. And I think um, I finished off the year and then I had a whole curriculum uh, done with mm-hmm. lesson plans, uh, um, assessments, uh, projects, aligned to standards. And my wife was like, hey, take the year to like process your dad's passing. Um, it was a lot. You just kept going. Yeah. Take the year and try to focus on your business full time. And then from there, I took what happened with my dad. I took it, you know, to heart about becoming that person. And then I started servicing schools, not only as a 
consultant, but a curriculum developer to help create these spaces so that what happened to my father would have happened to somebody else. Um, So that's how I was able to get through it, through the work that I was already doing and then stepping into it full heartedly to one, save my life. And then two, you know, live in my father's purpose as well. Well, um, even the thought of creating curriculum from a painful experience like gives it that much more um validity yeah right yeah because yeah. and the thing was i was um when i was processing everything and going through therapy i was paying attention to what led to my father in that moment on the ledge about to jump and it was years of not knowing how to articulate his pain and address mm-hmm. his pain. And I think that's where my whole mission has been the power of vulnerability because we're so scared. And in the Latino community as well is we dance, we dance our asses off. We, um, we, we dance merengue, bachata, salsa, and we could dance all around our issues mm, that's that good. we never be, we never get direct. And I think my dad was dancing for so long that he never got to be who he wanted to be outside of the dance floor. And I think allowing to create these spaces for young men and women to a lot sooner to feel like this is a way that is different from what we used to, but a way to be healthy later on will be more beneficial in these times today. So that's where the, the curriculum really stuck to me to like creating and going into it. And then I had a story to connect it all together. So that's big. Um, it sounds like too, um, even though, you know, we're talking about it from a curriculum standpoint, it sounds like you, you mentioned the word process a yeah. lot. So it's, it sounds like it has more than educational value. It has like therapeutic value, right? Awesome. It sounds like a therapeutic process yeah. Um, that's happening where they're actually allowed to start talking about, right? Because when do you, you could be a great dancer, but what do you do when the music stops? Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the crazy thing is like, um, in doing the work, I realized that the kids weren't the only ones struggling. Mm. I do my work. I, I am addressing teacher situations more often than students. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And 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 to to make sure they're good. A lot of the work that I do is to help the teachers understand who they're not talking to, who they're running away from that's causing them to come into school and a kid flips over a table and they're taking a personal one like it's an attack on them. That's a cry for help. Mm-hmm. And if you're not dealing with your own stuff at home, you're never going to see that as a cry for help. You're going to mm-hmm. see that as a personal attack on you. Yeah, that's so the work that I do dives into that. And then kind of like I give them the resources to recreate those moments with their students in a class mm-hmm. home setting. So that, and, and they call it social emotional learning. Yeah. yeah. We've been doing this work for years. So yeah. like it's, they just put a name on it. But that's basically the the term they got. They coined it um, within school, social emotional learning, along yeah. with academic um, standards that we try to hit. Yeah. Wow, to 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 kind of go from 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 both points, right? The academic, and then also, like I said, there's just, just so much therapeutic value. Um, when you talk to the students or the teachers that that you're speaking to, do you share your story about your dad with both audiences? You Absolutely. Do? 
Yeah, I do. I, I get into it. It's a, it's a part of me. And I say it like this, and I, I lead by example. The first time I spoke was I had a speaking engagement lined up where I, I would go to my alumni, SUNY Cortland, upstate New York, and I would fly in to New York City and drive up with my dad. We did it a couple times. Um, and I had one set up for February in 2019. And my father had committed suicide January 19th, hmm. 2019. So I remember the first time I drove up, I got my uncle, his brother, uh, to drive up with me. And I remember speaking for the first time after it had just happened. It was, the scar was still wide open. I was still like hurting. And I remember being so choked up. I couldn't even get through it. And it was like tough. And as I, as I pushed myself and, and got through it, I was like, I saw the, the, like I said, the power in my vulnerability. The next time I spoke a couple of weeks later, it became easier. And the next time I spoke again, it became easier. And then that led to me. And I talk about that. We, you, we're told whatever happens in a household stays in a household growing mm-hmm. up. Right? Don't talk mm-hmm. about your business. That's a, that makes you look weak. That's a, that's a false narrative. Mm-hmm. That's been, that's been taught to us, but it's the wrong way about going about things. Because for me is the more you talk about it, the more you understand it. It don't matter how many people know your stuff, because the more you talk about it, the more you understand it and process it. Yeah. And that is, that's given me my power. And through that story, I allow them to see that so they can address their stuff. You can't tell someone to do something that you have not done. Yeah. I use my story so that we can get to that point of like, who you're not talking to. Yeah. It's causing you to hold back. Yeah, that's good. Um, my, my next question is around mental wellness um, and your mindset towards mental wellness. But I also wanted to... Um, because I, I, it sounds like you have so much freedom from the 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 guilt around your your father's suicide, um, but just as a practitioner in this work, right? As a as a licensed clinician who actively practices therapy, you know, we're also trying to change the narrative around committing suicide mm-hmm. and saying die by suicide, right? Um, only because there are high rates of people who who die by suicide who are also committed to a jail committed to a system right and i think it's our final way of freeing them in some way right they died by so like the pain with the suffering was so hard so um what is your mindset about what mental wellness now well that's a good thing i, I appreciate you correcting me on that i'm uh i'm gonna move forward saying that died by suicide mm-hmm. and um i think for my mental wellness it's been it's been a combination of surrounding myself around people that are on the same wavelength as me, but also the mental exercise of, I, I like to say, I, like, I love fitness. So I like to work out. I, I bike, I play basketball still. I'm a former college athlete. So I try to be as active as possible, but I realized that it's, it has it has to be routine as well, where you're working on your breathing exercises, you're taking some time to meditate, and you know before you get out of bed, um, yes. or you go to bed and calm yourself down in your anxiety, and and these simple routines that you have to practice throughout the day, just like I was getting my jump shots up um, to perfect my craft, I had to do the same thing for this. So like with that happening, I took some like I I, I went through some real anxiety for the first time, like. I've been through stuff 
before. And, you know, when you're dealing with trauma, as I did my processing, when you're dealing with trauma, you don't see it as trauma. Right. So Mm -hmm. like when I was growing up, I seen a lot of alcoholism. I seen abuse. I seen domestic violence, but it was normalized in my community. Mm -hmm. And I think when I went through this, it was like a huge shock uh, to the system where I had to like really process everything. So when I process everything, I'm like, yo, I gotta, I gotta switch things up. Like this mm. stuff is, I've been through a lot just because I smile a lot and I laugh. It's all a disguise, but how do I continue to be me and keep the joy, but awareness of why I do what I mm. do, you know, so that I can live through that. So mental wellness is not, it's not just practicing it, but actually being aware of why you behave the certain way, the ways you do and and identify these things. So identification of your behaviors and then the practices and routines that you put in place to continue to be mentally well. Yeah. I, I love that you said, because a lot of times people think of mental wellness as something that's going wrong, like wellness is associated with wrongness. Yeah. I tell people a lot. And what I love that you said is that um, also awareness of joy. Yeah. Like knowing what actually brings you joy is part of your wellness, right? Yeah. Your mental wellness, not just your, you know, physical wellness, um, not just your social wellness, but your, your mental wellness. So I love that you said that because it's not just about, um, yeah, it's not just about what's wrong. It's about your awareness of Joy. I love that. Um, what do you advise someone who is dealing with um, depression? Because I heard you mention anxiety, but also I heard some symptomology around the depression, right? Not being able to get out of bed when you're dealing with, and also you had to deal with all the trauma at once because it was normalized for so long, right? This one traumatic event brought up, uh, brings up a lot of things, right? Even someone who might be listening. So, you know, who are, who's going through something, very acute right now, but it might be bringing up stuff for them. Um, what, do, what would you advise someone who's dealing with depression? Honestly, um, putting yourself in a space, one, just know that you're not alone, but you would never find that out unless you start talking. I mm. think my, my one of my favorites, my, well, my favorites, favorite artist of all time is Jay-Z. You can't heal what you never reveal. And mm. that is true. Like as long as you hold it in, you will never see who else is dealing with it and how you really feel about it. Yeah. You can't run away from it for so long because it'll start showing in different ways. Yes. So I think the best advice I would give anybody that's going through some type of depression is just know, because I think what my father felt, he felt like he was alone. Like I used to have these long talks with him and he felt like nobody understood nobody. Um, And he seen that everybody had a better situation than him. But honestly, it just like he could, and he was let this all out to me. Um, and then he would hold it in and yeah. hold himself back from going there with other people and understanding and processing it fully. Whereas he would let it out in anger or, you know, in sadness and it would never, and then he would always apologize, you mm-hmm. know? So I think it's just a sense of uh, not feeling alone and then getting to a place of like just talking about it and finding your people. You know, yeah. uh, whether it's I would advise everybody to go to therapy, um, but and then also like have these conversations with people that you call your boys or your girls like mm-hmm. they really your people, then they should be able to you should be able to open up to yeah. them um, without any judgment. And then if they do, then you see I mean, you see who's really there for you. 
You know what yeah. I mean? They're they doing you a favor if they react in the wrong way. It should be like, oh, that person really shouldn't be in my um, in my corner with me. You know, yeah. I'm keeping wrong people around me if they react the wrong way. So I think just allow yourself to, to push to have those conversations because the only thing you're doing holding it in is hurting yourself. Yeah. One thing about depression, very similar to the disease of addiction, is that it loves people in isolation. Right. right? Yeah. And so I love that you kept saying, like, you got to, you can't heal what you won't reveal. Come on, Jay-Z. Right. Yeah. Like, it has to be talked about, not with necessarily with the whole world. But do you think that um, for some people, like social media plays a role in um up, upholding of an image of perfection yeah. and wellness. Yeah. Right. I, because it's, you know, people, we call it the highlight reel, which is very true because real life happens in between the posts. Yeah. But for someone who's depressed, who's not going to even go necessarily on social media or TikTok or whatever to find something helpful, <laughs> uh, do you think it even plays a role? And does it come up when you're working with youth? Yeah, but I, I got a different uh, view on it. I don't mm-hmm. think social media is bad. I think mm-hmm. it depends on just like in life, who you following. Who are you following? Yep. Because if you following the wrong people and you on World Star and stuff like that, like of course you're going to be uh, prone to seeing negativity all the time. But if you following people that inspire you, that are doing big things, that are mm-hmm. that are addressing this the situations and having these type of conversations, then it only ignites you to surround yourself around that and and then seek that and then start practicing it. So I think it's just like, you know, just like in real life, because we'll say that social media is its own world, but like just in like in real life, like I said, everything that I do aligns. So like just like in social media in real life, I surround myself around people that have that that positivity, have that way of thinking and that open mindedness, those willing to have those tough conversations and, you know, not just say yeah to things they're not OK with. Right. So like finding those people and taking your time, don't just follow people because they popular, follow people because they 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 do that thing that inspires you. Right. Yeah. Or makes or add you- value add value to yourself and your, and your day. So I think it's the same thing. I think if we had that conversation more, cause social media ain't going nowhere. It's not. I say, let's turn it off and let's go. That, that only lasts for a certain time. And then you go back to it. And if you didn't practice the right things, you're going to go back into the same slump. So let's, let's have the conversations about like, Hey, let's, let's start following. Like, like if you're trying to dive in, like follow the right people, unfollow the wrong people. And then see how it goes. If you're if you're scrolling down and seeing nothing but positivity, right? And, and those conversations is only going to make your mood change. Yes, right. Yep. Just like it does in the opposite way. Yeah, absolutely. You you also mentioned a couple of times the power of vulnerability. The power of vulnerability. Um, when you're talking with, I mean, is is it the same conversation with the youth as as with the 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 adults? Um, Because really, I mean, the youth are just transitioning adults (laughs) anyway. But um, does the message change at all? Does it shift or is it just how you present it? 
Yeah, I think it's how I present it. I think I'm a practitioner of my work. I've uh, I've been able to implement my curriculum in high schools, middle schools, and elementaries. So I've done my curriculum at the kindergarten level where I'm putting a word on the board and I'm saying, okay, what does toxic mean? All right, let's draw a picture of toxic. Let's see what, mm-hmm. what was toxic at the playground, right? And then I take that same lesson and I go to the high school and be like, all right, what's the last thing that was toxic that you've seen in your life, right? Same thing, right? Mm-hmm. We draw the word on the board and instead of drawing a picture, my mm-hmm. high school students are writing a paragraph, right? So I think it's about having, igniting those conversations and sparking that 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 light in you to 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 see things a certain way and 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 you know start processing and start having those conversations with people. So I I do it in all levels. And then I do it at the college level too. I've been speaking for a while in colleges. So I've been able with my I stayed in, and this is what I tell people all the time. Like I stayed in my lane and all I did was see the gaps that weren't being filled. And I filled yes. the gaps in my lane. And while I was doing, I stayed true to myself and I didn't, cause I, I came around a lot of hustlers. So I was around a bunch of hustlers that did a bunch of different things. My dad had like, at one point had like four jobs and they had nothing to do with each other. Yeah. Like, <laughs> money was stressed out and overwhelmed. Yeah. As I'm doing a lot. I'm I'm a college counselor on the campus. I'm a college motivational speaker. I'm a consultant. Um, I'm a curriculum developer. And then I, I'm a curriculum coach for clients trying to build curriculum. A lot of what I do is on the same thing. I'm helping kids get to college while um, I'm speaking at colleges. And then I'm helping build curriculum to help them be whole while they go move up into college. And then I'm helping speakers be able to do the same with curriculum to be able to help more impact and yeah. other that I can't read. So I think if you align everything, yeah, and, you know, it becomes less of a burden because everything you say in the same thing in all different spaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, and I think a lot of people um, get caught up because the lack of alignment. Yeah. Right. And there is this like this this whole culture of hustle and grind. Yep. Right. And if you see something quick, I think a lot of us get attracted to that quick win, right? I mean, I, there's so many examples of how how things come out and they're only here for a hot minute. Yeah. Um, but that also impacts our, our wellness overall yeah. because we're not grounded in something. And I feel like you're you're really grounded in, you know, this concept around vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? And wellness, right? That's why we have you here on, on the podcast because I'm always looking for people who um, are committed to seeing people well. I just love that you're doing it from kindergarten through adulthood and then teaching people how to put it back through kindergarten through adulthood. I love that life cycle of the yeah. work that you're doing. It. Life cycle, I like that. I never yeah, heard of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, I like what you've created here and it really is a continuum of wellness, yeah. right? With the alignment around the power of vulnerability. And I really, I really love that. Um, what's next for you? In the alignment, in your life cycle, as far as the business is concerned. Everything is going well. I love what I do, man. I love what I do um, in all aspects of what I do. I think with my curriculum translation program where I train speakers, I'm trying to build that as big as possible. Because honestly, it's, it's I love just working with good people and just, you know, with my program, 
um, I meet I meet you where you're at. Whether you're in edge, I've dealt with people that were in education and didn't know how to sell a curriculum, and I've dealt with people that had no idea how to build a curriculum but saw the value in it and then joined mm-hmm. my program. And both we were able to, you know build and then help them get to a place of understanding and then being able to make profit out of it um, and help, you know, change lives, you know? So I think I love the relationship building and working with yes. people and, and, and connecting the difference with my program is, you know, um, I give them the templates, the resources, how to build the curriculum, how to market yourself, but also get an understanding of, get to the root of what you're trying to accomplish and mm-hmm. then put that in curriculum to be Im- able to impact impact it in a class. And I tell all the people all the time, like I get paid more to speak less mm-hmm. because I don't speak. I facilitate. Yep. You That's facilitate. Big. I always say facilitate. When you facilitate, facilitate the learning process. Yep. When you facilitate, you allow them to do the, the work. Work. Okay allow them to do it. And then everybody think that's easy to do. That's not really easy to do. You have to, you have to know how to do it. Like you have to, you got to walk in your truth. You got to be about it. The way you get people to move is by you moving. Right. So like you got to find ways to do that. Um, and then, and, and be able to help them. I think curriculum allows you to facilitate better because when you can break a lesson down to a kindergartner, the same way you could do to an adult, then you break it down to the most fundamental level. So you understand it in levels that people haven't even thought about yet. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could take those concepts and break it down into curriculum, I tell them all the time, like a speaking engagement, one outline for a speaking engagement, you can chop that up and stretch that out into like four to five to six lesson plans, which equates to four to five, six weeks, which creates more impact because you're not there for 45 minutes anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, there for a semester, a year. Right. Um, I'll, so there's the, the the opportunities are endless. And so are you only doing work here in the United States or do you plan to move this abroad? Yes. Good question. So I've done my I've sold my curriculum um, from New York to Texas from 15,000 to 25,000 to 33,000. I've got clients to sell their curriculums from my program for 40,000, 60,000 and recently um, 240,000 mm-hmm. Uh um, in curriculum deals, uh, that's for one contract that one of my former one of my former clients just signed, which I'm super proud about. Um, and then I also implement curriculum within schools still, along with helping people coach to do that. I have I'm working on a couple deals internationally. Uh, one in Abu Dhabi right now. Um, we're getting close. Um, I'm excited about this one uh, about implementing it internationally. So getting my curriculum and my work international has been a goal for a while. Um, and then helping once I get there, like I said, I like to lead by example. Once I get there, then it's about teaching clients how to get I there. Do that. Right? So, so everything aligns. So if I do it, then I can show people how to do it. Yeah. So, Carlos, how can people reach you if they want to connect with you from a facilitation level, a curriculum level, a coaching level, consulting? Uh, what's the best way to reach you? I am. I think the best way is social media, ironically. <laughs> yeah. I, I post a lot of those things that we talked about like that, and that to spark that light, to spark up those conversations. Yeah. Um, and you get to see all types of work. So you can find me everywhere at CJ Motivation. 
I have a website, cjmotivation.com. My Instagram, cjmotivation. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Carlos J. Malave. Um, and then also YouTube, Carlos J. Malave. I have a bunch of content. Um, I do a lot of work in education um, and and beyond. I'm, I'm working with I'm, I'm working on corporate as well, and then going international, as I, I said before. So I'm, I'm easy going. I communicate. I'm easy to communicate with. Um, if you contact me on any of my mediums, I, I reach back, um, and we can set up a call and have a, a genuine conversation as to how we could collaborate or how we can help each other and build together. If that's something that we want to do, or just stay in contact. Um, I think similar to how we met. Um, yeah. you know, through social media, um, we reached out to each other, we connected and um, we got on a call and now we're doing a, a, a podcast episode. So um, like I said, reach out and, and I'm, I would love to meet as many people um, interested in the work and, you know, um, I love to explain what I do as well too. So I'm here um, yeah. as, as easy as it is. I, I'm easy to communicate, easy to find. And just remember to put this, the J in between my name, Carlos J. Malave. I realize there's a lot of Carlos Malaves out there. Carlos okay. J. Malave, eh, I'm the only one. Okay. <laughs> so if you put the J in between, it'll be easy to find me. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to to continue to work and, and meet more people. Yeah. What What is one thing you want our listeners to remember about, about you? I think for me... One thing about me is that I'm a representative of the work. Mm. I'm what my father thought was possible. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I, I live, I live that out every day. And, you know, the other, um, we went, we went to Tobago a couple of weeks ago. And I remember sitting by the water and just watching the, and hearing the, the waves crash. And I heard my father you know, he for so that's why I started to bring it full circle. I started a conversation with saying I'm a I see myself heading back to the Caribbean. My father said for so long he wanted to go back home, mm. never made it back. So I feel like I have to mm. for him. Yeah. So nice. yeah. Thank you. I appreciate first of all, uh I think because sometimes we start talking so much about the curriculum and the work with the youth and with staff and things like that. We forget sometimes the person behind the work, like the message behind the work. Um, and that's why I'm so glad you shared. Thank you for your, the power, your vulnerability to even share, right? About the phone call before your father's passing, right? Before he died by suicide. Um, I think. It's memorable because it really can show some of the listeners who are maybe going through something that um, not only will you survive this, but you can actually thrive and help other people along the way, right? That it's bigger than you. So I definitely appreciate your time. um, And it's been a total pleasure having you on. If you enjoyed this segment for my listeners, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I will put all of Carlos's contact information um, on all of my mediums so that you can follow him as well. Um, And to my tribe, the Victorious Vacators, you know what to do. Keep moving because movement is the only 
transportation to your transformation. Thank you so much, Carlos. Thank you for having me.